0: It's around 600 BC and King Zedekiah has just begun his reign over Jerusalem. But all is not well. Prophets are being sent to Jerusalem to warn the people of destruction unless they return to God. One of those prophets is Lehi, and his efforts are not bearing fruit. Warned in a dream of those who wish him dead, Lehi and his family abandon everything and depart into a harsh and unforgiving wilderness. It is in this wilderness that his family will truly come to understand this major truth, that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith to make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance. I invite you to join us in our study of 1 Nephi chapters one through five of the Book of Mormon and encourage each of us to seek divine inspiration. Welcome to Come Follow Up.
1: I've witnessed God prepare a way for me. Um, One day when God led my family to the US and we've been super blessed being here.
0: I feel like that uh, a way was provided for me when I got out of the service. I felt like that uh, I was staying for a reason, but I didn't know why. And later it ended up being that I met my wife six months after I got out of the service.
2: I was reading an email from my friend who's on a mission about this man that she met in a park and how he'd been sitting on this bench when she walked up to him and kind of introduced herself and he said to her that he had been praying for months that God would send him the truth. And as I was busting to school this day, I was just thinking, you know what? If God can prepare a way for this man to find the truth, then he can prepare a way for me to make it through the semester of college.
1: I allow myself to be led by God when I look for opportunities to feel the spirit and be able to receive the guidance. I think when I'm reading the scriptures, when I'm going to church, trying to go to the temple, I'm able to get that guidance from God and know what he wants me to do in my life.
0: Welcome, everybody, to our discussion of First Nephi chapters 1 through 5 of the Book of Mormon. My name is Ben Lomu, and I'm your host. Seated next to me is our gospel scholar for the day, James Goldberg. James is a writer, poet, and historian with the Church History Department for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Welcome, James. Good to be here, Ben. And next to James are our special guests, Dean and Stephanie Brockbank. (laughs) The Brockbanks are about to move to Brazil, where Dean will work as area legal counsel for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Stephanie is a former seminary teacher. They have five children and three grandchildren. Welcome, Dean and Stephanie.
3: Thank you, it's good to be here.
4: Hi, Ben.
0: (laughs) I love the Brockbanks, (laughs) we go way back. And we're also joined by our studio audience. Thank you all for being here today. Our discussions today are built around the scriptures and complemented by the resource, Come Follow Me. Additional study and teaching material is available at byutv.org slash come follow up. Okay, James, so we're gonna be covering uh, First Nephi chapters one through five. There's a lot going on. What can you provide for us as far as background and historical context? We're in Jerusalem
5: Okay. at this point. The Babylonians had just come. They took away the king of Judea, but they left Jerusalem standing, right? And so in Jerusalem, there's this big division between people who think that this is it, they've been delivered. And then you have a prophet named Jeremiah uh, who says, no, this is not what's gonna happen. He sees the writing on the wall, the people haven't repented. And he says, Jerusalem is gonna be destroyed. It's gonna get worse. So in chapter one, Lehi prays. And decides what to do and has a vision. And these chapters detail the vision he has that Jeremiah is right, that destruction is coming, and that he needs to get his family out and prepare for life away from everything they've ever known.
0: Dean and Stephanie, I'm sure you can relate uh, somewhat to this experience as we jump into our first topic God will prepare a way. You're about to go on a a similar journey. Will you tell us a little bit about that and kind of the process of accepting this new change in your life?
3: Yeah, thankfully, we're not going to be camping, (laughs) hopefully. Uh, I received a call uh, four or five months ago asking me to consider moving to Sao Paulo, Brazil, which is uh, a soft spot in my heart. I served my mission there. Uh, I'm an attorney by training and they asked me if I would be willing to move there and serve as the legal counsel for the church in Brazil. And so we've been going through this experience of, uh, of preparing to move and to leave our home and to say goodbye to our children and our three grandchildren. (laughs) And part of us is really, really excited, and part of us is a little bit nervous. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we can completely understand Lehi and Saraya and family, (laughs) but part of us can, I think.
0: Absolutely. Stephanie, what are your thoughts?
4: I am super excited to have the experience to live in Brazil because I always wanted to live in Brazil since Dean lived there, and he's always called it God's country. but i really like my life here <laughs> i feel i feel a little bit like um when jesus told peter to leave his net
0: well hopefully through this discussion you know perhaps there will be some comfort james as we uh, jump into some specifics within these chapters what can you tell us about this first topic and how it fits in with this uh, overall block just
5: run? just like stephanie was saying Lehi is this man who had the vision, and he and his wife Sariah are getting ready to go up, but they have kids, they have four <laughs> sons, and they feel kind of the same way. They like their they like their lives, they like their fishing. It's a pretty good life, right? It's a good life. So when he leaves, they just take tents and they leave a lot behind. And then they take this journey out through the wilderness, and then just when they're starting to get settled dad says, it's time to go back. I forgot something. We need the records.
0: Can we go on and read some of this, James, and just uh, talk about some of the challenges that are involved with them going back?
5: When Lehi tells his sons to go, the older sons are not so sure they want to go back and then have to leave again. Um, And then Nephi comes to his dad and says something can anybody tell me without
0: looking? <laughs> I will is-
4: go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded, for I know the Lord giveth no commandment save he prepare a way for them. Is that the one?
0: That was that's that's the one. it. First Nephi chapter three, verse
3: seven. He always prepares a way, but often we don't see his hand and influence until well after the fact sometimes. Mm-hmm and it's sometimes we're up to plan G and <laughs> H before we see the way things unfold. And I, I always see his hand in leading us through whatever we're trying mm-hmm. to understand and plan and and such. But when you're in the early stages of those things and you're still having those inner wrestles, it, it's sometimes hard to recognize uh, what's gonna happen, where we're gonna go. And, uh, like the primary song says, are you really there sometimes? And it takes a while to sometimes recognize that. Yeah.
4: I just want to testify that I know, I know God provides a way. It's been my life experience. And someone asked me, and they said, seriously, why would you do this? Why would you walk away from the best time in his career. Um, just everything that we're walking away from. They said, "Why would you?" And I said, "I would never dare not, because the Lord asks us, mm-hmm. and if the Lord asks you, He'll make it right." You and know. I know, I know that I know it. And so, as if, as scared as I am in many ways, I know my kids will literally be better off with me in Brazil than here with them, because the Lord has asked it of us.
5: And that's something this family in the scriptures is dealing with, because Sariah and Lehi are sending their son to try and get this valuable thing, and they don't know if they're coming back, right? So we're in chapter 3 now, and if we go to uh, verse 11, and we cast lots. Two of us should go into the house of Laban? And it came to pass that the lot fell upon Laman, that's the oldest brother, and Laman went in unto the house of Laban and he talked with him as he sat at his his house and he desired of Laban the records which were engraven upon the plates of brass, which contained the genealogy of my father. And behold, it came to pass that Laban was angry. He didn't just say no, he was very angry. And thrust him out from his presence, and he would not that he should have the records. Wherefore he said unto him, Behold, thou art a robber, and I will slay thee.
0: Okay, so they go in, the first attempt
5: doesn't work. It doesn't work. The older brother's plan is to go back. Nephi, though, says, in verse fifteen, I said unto them that as the Lord liveth and as we live, we will not go down unto our father in the wilderness until we have accomplished the thing which the Lord hath commanded us." He doesn't have a plan yet, Mm -hmm. but he says we have to come up with one, right? In chapter four, we get these beautiful verses, chapters, verses five and six in chapter four. And it says, after Nephi's brothers start to beat him up, right, because they need to lash out, they're so frustrated, they're so scared. He goes, no, we're gonna do this. Um, And it says, and it was by night, and I caused that they should hide themselves without the walls. And after they, that's his brothers had hid themselves, I Nephi crept into the city and went forth towards the house of Laban. And I was led by the spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. He's like a jazz player, right? They've practiced their scales, (laughs) and now he's ready to just go and let the Holy Ghost help him find the way and is able to get these these plates out.
0: I would love to hear from the audience. How have you exercised faith when the Lord has asked you to do something difficult? Kathy.
4: I, about a year ago, I received my a diagnosis of a cancerous brain tumor. I, I just can't emphasize it enough, how important it has been for me to visualize myself leaning into his love and his goodness and his atoning sacrifice on my behalf. And that has been more helpful than any treatment or anything anybody else has said. I'm trying to be conscious of of receiving that love and that peace and sometimes that prompting to do something that I not was not thinking about doing, but has been was very
0: helpful. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Kathy. When we're asked to do something, you know, Nephi and his brothers, they had excuses. When things didn't work out the first time, they could have just given up. Uh, We had a question coming from one of our viewers that I'd like to watch and then get some of your thoughts on it.
1: Hello, my name is Savannah and I'm from Lehi, Utah. In First Nephi chapter three, the Lord commands Lehi and his family to obtain the brass plates. My question is, how do I remain faithful
4: when it feels like the Lord has asked for more than I feel capable of?
3: Wow. (laughs) Was she reading my mind and asking that question? I think that is such a core part of our mortal experience Mm -hmm. is being stretched and being asked to do things beyond what we sometimes believe we're capable of or we're willing to do. And I love the authenticity of the question because I feel I feel where she's coming from. So many times when I've been asked to do something, I question myself, my ability, can I do that? And after plan A and plan B haven't worked, I get to plan C or D and I think, do I really still need to do this? Is this still part of my journey? And so uh, as I contemplate the wrestle, and with the Spirit, and sometimes I feel the Spirit's guidance more sometimes than others, I end up reconciling where my Father in Heaven, where I feel He wants me to go. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I do it in the spirit of murmuring. I appreciate Laman and Lemuel sometimes a little bit more. I think murmuring is underrated sometimes, (laughs) Uh, but I also recognize the guidance of the Spirit.
5: I identify a lot sometimes with Laman and Lemuel because they do stretch and they do faithful things, but when it doesn't work out, instead of going, okay, that was tough, it didn't work out, they totally switch story. Mm -hmm. And you see all the bitterness come back. And I think the secret to learning to be stretched is not just to have your faithful story, but to find ways to kind of put your better story to rest, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To say, yeah, I went through hard things, but here's something I learned from them, or here's how this was refining, instead of just just keeping that tally of, here's, here's what I can be angry about, right?
0: And I think that's what the difference with Nephi is, he was fully reliant on the spirit to have the faith to keep going forward and keep trying.
5: Yes, absolutely, and I think, sometimes we can, we can miss something here. We think of Nephi being so courageous mm-hmm. and strong and having just this iron well, but the secret to this strength of resolution is, is a little counterintuitive. Let me read you a verse in chapter two. So this is um, right after they'd gone out those first three days of journey into the wilderness mm-hmm. as a family, and they're settled by a river living in tents with none of their <laughs> stuff. Uh, And it says in verse 16, chapter 2, verse 16, And it came to pass that I, Nephi, being exceedingly young, nevertheless being large in stature, and also having great desires to know the mysteries of God, wherefore I did cry unto the Lord, and behold, he did visit me, and did soften my heart, that I did believe all the words which had been spoken by my father, wherefore I did not rebel against him like unto my brothers. So the key to not having that, that rebellion, that desire to just throw in the towel, give up, <laughs> not do it, isn't Nephi's determination so much as it's this softness. Mm-hmm. And I think humility is what allows us to persist through disappointment as much as our determination does.
4: We had an experience, our first child was stillborn. And then a year later, our child died at four days, but he was a twin and his twin lived but his twin was in the hospital for like six months. So during that time, I really, really wrestled with God because I had done everything I was supposed to do. And so all this wrestling, that's what I finally came up with is, I just have to soften my heart and say, God, just just let me trust. I don't know the answers. I can't know the answers. I'll go crazy if I try and figure out the answers. And so, I think it came to deciding: Am I going to be bitter and angry, or I'm going to say, "God, I trust you," and it's so much easier to live in trust. Mm-hmm. And Laman and Lemuel never got there. Mm-hmm. They fought it, and they fought it, and they fought it, and they'd have t- moments, but I just want to, I just want to accept, and say, "Okay, God, here I am." Mold me into what you want and mold me and just help me along the way. Give me the strength and the courage to do it.
0: There's a beautiful quote by Cyril Oshmiel talking about Nephi's faith and, and his desire to move forward. He says, I was led by the spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. This is how the Lord works as we put forth effort and act, even when we don't have a clear understanding of what needs to be done. The Lord told Nephi what to do, go and get the plates. But he did not tell Nephi how to do it. He left it to Nephi to figure out and seek the Lord's help. And this is often how the Lord works in our lives. As we act in faith, the Lord guides and directs us. This has been such a great conversation, talking about how the Lord will prepare a way. Thank you all for sharing your comments and your thoughts and insights. And for the audience, thank you as well for sharing with us today. And for those at home how has the lord guided and directed you when you acted in faith share with us on any of our social media platforms
2: the word of god has been of great worth to me specifically through my scriptures when i mark them very intensely
1: most of the times when i get guidance from the scriptures i don't feel like it's usually a phrase that's written in the scriptures but it's more a feeling that i get while i'm reading like an impression that god gives me
0: i feel like that. The Scriptures has been like a map or a guide for what I need to do and what I need to work on.
1: My friend got really mad at me, and I didn't know what to do. And I read the Scriptures, and then it helped me know that I can forgive her.
5: The Word of God has been of great worth to me um, because it brings me comfort. It
3: brings me peace when I read the Scriptures.
2: My Scriptures are full of markings and notes and sticky notes and post-its. And so because of that, it's not just words from the prophets but it's also what they mean to me and how they impact my life from day to day
0: so now we're going to get into our second topic the word of god is of great worth to me james can you give us a little background on what are the brass plates well we get a pretty good description of them right in the book of Mormon.
5: so let's turn to first nephi chapter five and this is after the boys finally got back Mm -hmm um, Sariah is extremely relieved, Lehi's happy, let's start at verse 10, and after they had given thanks unto the God of Israel, my father Lehi took the records which were engraven upon the plates of brass, and he did search them from the beginning, and he beheld that they did contain the five books of Moses, which gave an account of the creation of the world, and also of Adam and Eve, who were our first parents, And also a record of the Jews from the beginning, even down to the commencement of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, and also the prophecies of the holy prophets from the beginning, even down to the commencement of the reign of Zedekiah, and also many prophecies which have been spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah. And then it adds in the next couple of verses as well that it gives the genealogy of their family who were from the northern tribes. They'd come down to Jerusalem. They're descended from Joseph.
0: So as we talk about the importance of the scriptures, uh, Dean and Stephanie, how would you say you've been able to use the scriptures to bless and and lead and guide your family?
3: The scriptures really provide a foundation for everything we do uh, as a family. Uh, I have such a, a, a trust in the counsel that we receive through the scriptures and over and over again, even in 1 in Nephi chapter 1, where we just read, Lehi is saying, while I was reading, while I was praying, while I was reading, several different times, Nephi, while I was reading, and the answers to some of life's most challenging questions, for me, come while I'm reading or studying or contemplating something that I've already read or studied. Mm-hmm.
0: Stephanie? the more
4: we can literally be in the scriptures and feel the spirit every day, even if we don't understand it, which sometimes I don't, the spirit testifies to me that the words are true. Mm
0: -hmm. So we've talked about the difficulty in obtaining the record. What does that teach us about the value and importance that the record holds for Nephi, Lehi and their posterity?
5: Yeah, that's an interesting question, right? Um, because it may be that if they could have gotten it more easily, that would have been great, would have saved everybody a bunch Let's of just trouble. Just put them on the shelf and well, <laughs> you know, maybe they wouldn't yeah. value them as much. Right, but given the fact that, that Laban was standing in the way, right, mm-hmm. they really had to work for this and that, that gives Nephi this, this extra level of connection, right? That, that he had to choose and choose and choose the scriptures
0: you know, that's really, that's really interesting. I would love to hear from the audience. How has the Book of Mormon strengthened your testimony of Jesus Christ? Arthur.
1: The Book of Mormon strengthened my testimony so much because, first off, the Book of Mormon actually testifies of itself, which means that when you read it, you know it to be true. And before I actually read the Book of Mormon, I I wasn't too sure if that was actually true until I actually did it myself. Um, but... By doing so, I I felt the Spirit so much testifying that He lived and He actually did come to the Americas, which I'm from Brazil and I was super amazed that He actually came to visit the people in the Americas. And just by doing my studies, I was able to see um, how loving He was and it it helped me to to develop those Christ-like attributes.
0: Arthur, how did the Holy Ghost help you gain a testimony of the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon?
1: The Holy Ghost helped me in so many ways. Um, but the the one I can remember the most is just really testifying to me that the Book of Mormon was true and because of I received that witness I was able to share that with other people
0: oh, thank you so much Arthur what a great comment so they get the scriptures now what They obviously they don't just shelve them Lehi takes some time to really examine them what are some things that we learn from the scriptures through Lehi's examination of them there's sort of three
5: different books of scripture that show up in these chapters, right? One is these brass plates that preserve the past. Another one though, we got in chapter one. So you remember Lehi was praying about what to do as there are these different opinions about what's going to happen with Jerusalem, the city. And if we read verses, uh, chapter one, verses nine through about 11, there's a description of another book in a vision uh, Lehi sees some things and it came to pass that he saw one descending out of the midst of heaven. And he beheld that his luster was above that of the sun at noonday. And he also saw 12 others following him and their brightness did exceed that of the stars in the firmament. And they came down and went forth upon the face of the earth. And the first came and stood before my father and gave unto him a book and bade him that he should read. And I'll read verse 12 as well. And it came to pass that as he read, he was filled with the spirit of the Lord. So we've got the physical records that are part of scripture, but they mean a lot more when we combine that with the spirit, right? And in this case, that that one with the 12, we see that as Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. premortal Jesus Christ coming to show Lehi what the scriptures mean in terms of what they're pointing to. So when you take the the brass record and this separate spiritual reading and combine them together, you get a different power than just from the physical record alone.
0: And you said there were three. I
5: said there were three, that's
0: right. (laughs) (laughs) Because
5: Nephi's writing another,
0: right? It seems like a lot of work. There's There's a lot going on here, right? So that we can have, even today, we rely so heavily on this record and these accounts and these stories what is the purpose for, for all of this coming together into this one singular book that we hold so dear in, in our lives?
4: Well, it's the connection. It's, it's teaching us about what we can't see, right? So the whole thing testifies of Jesus Christ and that he's coming and then he comes and that he saves the whole thing is our connection to again what i what we can't see Mm -hmm. it teaches us and then we choose to have faith do we believe it or not and then the spirit comes in and says yeah it's true even though you can't see it you know in your heart it's true
3: every aspect i mean every aspect of the scriptures especially the book of mormon for me personally as we're, we're learning and studying about Nephi and Laman and Lemuel and, and, and his parents and, and the challenge of this experience is uh, we liken the Scriptures to, our, to ourselves. If, if we understand the Scriptures, we will see ourselves in the accounts and the testimonies of the prophets. And by likening them to ourselves, we don't have to figure it all out for the first time Others have already done this, and others, others have already given us ideas and counsel and recommendations for how to make it through.
5: Mm-hmm. And they make it through a lot of stuff in these yeah. books, I right? Yeah. They go through so many difficult things. And I think that's in part to point us toward Christ, right? That, that we see the burdens others carried and how, how they're turned toward him, and then we start to get it right? And see how we can turn to that same source.
4: Well, it's what Nephi says in the very beginning um, when he says, and having seen many afflictions in the course of my days, right there, he says, having seen many afflictions, nevertheless, having been highly favored of the Lord in all my days. So right there, he's teaching us, what verse is that right at the (laughs) get-go verse one of the book of mormon we will have trials and the lord will bless us
0: okay stephanie so on the cover of the book of mormon it, it even says another testament of jesus christ how has the book of mormon reading it studying it getting a testimony of it how has that helped you draw closer to christ
4: wow i remember um being in israel i did study abroad in israel i had read many times and i was there by the sea of galilee and i turned to my friend and i said did you know in the book of mormon jesus came and appeared to the nephites and she said where have you been (laughs) (laughs) but i realized that moment jesus came that he came And appeared not only in Jerusalem, but here. And we we have this record of this. And I just, how could you not love the Book of Mormon? It just, (laughs) everything about the Book of Mormon testifies of Christ.
3: That is so true. It's a manual for every aspect of my life. And as Stephanie said earlier, it's almost as if there are light bulb moments as we read the scriptures that we've read multiple, multiple times because they adapt to whatever uh, station in life that we're in. Right. And as a as a as a missionary, I looked at the Book of Mormon and certain verses in some ways. As a father, I looked at them in a completely different way. And now, kind of moving on to the next phase of our lives, as uh, our kids have moved out, they're, they're some are married, some are in college, they're serving missions we look kind of, I, I look at the Book of Mormon and it's teaching me kind of more how to be the senior statesman type of father as opposed to the hands-on everyday, day-to-day, everything, it's more about guiding me and counseling them gently and such. And, and I imagine that in, in future phases of my life, I will read verses that I have read many times mm-hmm. and they will have different meanings to me based on where I am.
0: That's great, I love it. You know, as we go towards the end of chapter five, they've examined the scriptures. I love verse 21. And we had obtained the records which the Lord had commanded us. They did it. And searched them and found that they were desirable. And I love this phrase. Yea, even of great worth unto us. The value the Book of Mormon brings into our lives is massive. The value I see it bring into my life. I can honestly say that the Book of Mormon is of great worth. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for contributing to this discussion on how the word of God is of great worth to us. And for the audience, thanks for being here and sharing your comments and thoughts as well. And for you at home, we still have much to cover in footnotes. Stay with us.
1: The Spirit talks to me mostly through thoughts. I feel like I don't necessarily have a big moment where I think, oh, I'm feeling the Spirit right now, but I'll have a little thought, a little prompting to go and do something small, and that is usually God telling me that I can act and giving me small errands to do throughout the day so that I can help somebody else.
2: In my life, I felt like the Spirit has communicated a lot to me through music. That is something that is always easy to understand for me, so I've always clung to that.
4: It literally is like sunshine. I just feel so warm and I try and bask in that.
2: I think the Spirit communicates
4: with me just through uh, feeling. If I don't feel right about something, then I kind of know that it's the Spirit telling me that this is probably not the right decision to make.
2: I think the Spirit guides me when I'm going in a wrong direction. I do think that God has given me agency and He expects me to use it. And so when I move forward in faith knowing that I think I know what's best and I've learned from Christ, then he can correct me as I go along and, and guide me to what he knows is best for me.
0: Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. We've dismissed our studio audience and are looking forward to building upon our previous discussions from 1 Nephi chapters one through five with James and the Brockbanks. Okay, that was really great. You guys did great, it was fun conversation. We covered a lot, we have so much more to cover. James, where would we like to begin?
5: Oh, I am really interested in the connections between the very beginning of the Book of Mormon and the Bible. Okay. In Jeremiah, one of the reasons why everybody's feeling like Jerusalem can't fall has to do with the politics around them. So in Jeremiah 37, in verse five, then Pharaoh's army was come forth out of Egypt Pharaoh's army was come out of Egypt, and when the Chaldeans, that's the Babylonians that besieged Jerusalem, heard tidings of them, they departed from Jerusalem. So, everybody who's hoping that it's just over, we're saved, Jerusalem can't fall, they're putting their trust in the Egyptians, and Jeremiah is explicitly saying, You cannot trust Egypt, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to hold the Babylonians off forever. Well, We find out in first Nephi chapter one, Lehi's got all this money, right? He's got the gold and silver. And a lot of times people have sort of wondered, where'd he get it? Mm -hmm. And the dominant theory is as a trader, a merchant with Egypt, Uh because in verse two, Nephi says, "Yea, I make a record in the language of my father, which consists of the learning of the Jews or Judeans, that's a kingdom, and the language of the Egyptians. And I've just thought it's interesting that here's Lehi who knows Egyptians Mm -hmm. better than other people and is hearing the Egyptians saved us. We're going to be fine. And he's going, I don't know, guys. Hmm. (laughs) I don't know. And so those are just those little connections, right? Do they matter in the grand scheme of things? I don't know. But it's interesting to see the way that as you look closely at the scriptures we have um, from the Israelites, mm-hmm. and the ones that came down to us from the new world through through Nephi, there's these unexpected connections.
0: Wow. <laughs> That's super interesting. Can we address the elephant in the room real quick? Nephi kills Laban. That's a big deal, right? I, I think it's an, I'd I love to talk about that and just kind of get some thoughts, because, you know, we, we love people, we don't kill people. Yeah, we have. <laughs> we, this, we do have a lawyer here. Yes, we do have a lawyer here, okay, so. Yeah, this
3: probably wouldn't work in the 21st century <laughs> right. uh, to state the obvious. But from, uh, from a Book of Mormon standpoint, uh, I, I think Nephi had his Garden of Eden type experience where he's given uh, a commandment to get the okay, brass plates, what you mean. but he's also at the same time, commanded to not kill and as he's told by the angel you need i have delivered him into your hands he goes through this wrestle that he shares at least a part of it with us and it's a wrestle of i've never shed the blood of man before it and he doesn't say this but it's implicit it's a commandment thou shalt not kill and he wrestles with it and he doesn't want to do it and it's a tricky thing to discuss and i understand the wrestle uh, I don't understand firsthand the wrestle that Nephi went through, but I certainly understand the wrestle that people go through in trying to reconcile this. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, 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 do you guys mind if we read some of this? I love no, the, the wording that he uses uh, starting in chapter four, verse 10, and it came to pass that I was constrained by the spirit that I should kill Laban. And this is where I think the you can see the wrestle begins for Nephi. I said in my heart, Never at any time have I shed the blood. I've never done this before. I've never killed anybody. And, and this phrase, "and I shrunk and would that I might not slay him," so he even almost like he's backing out. So I'm, I'm not I'm, doing I'm this. I'm not doing this. And then we see verse eleven. The Spirit tells him, "Nope, the Lord hath delivered him unto thy hands." And then he again he goes through. And then this he's process. got to think
5: through still. Yeah, right. walk <laughs> yeah. us through
0: that, James. You mind?
5: Sure, he says, yea, I also knew that he'd sought to take away mine own life, yea, and he would not hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, and he had also taken away our property, and he omits that he tried to kill them again at that point, Mm -hmm. right? And it came to pass that the Spirit said unto me again, slay him, for the Lord hath delivered him into thy hands. Behold, the Lord slayeth the wicked to bring forth his righteous purposes. It is better that one man should perish than that a nation should dwindle and perish in unbelief. And then Nephi remembers this commandment uh, that his, his people need to have the commandments, right? right? So, so it's a long process, right? Earlier we'd talked about how the A-Plan doesn't always work, right? Yeah. And you have to try multiple things sometimes, but you can kind of see here how the process is really necessary. I would have much bigger questions about Nephi if he'd just done it. Right? Right. And it said, yeah. ah, and now I had my opportunity go yeah. the fact that he takes his time, right? And certainly Or if that was plan A. If that right. was plan A, that's, that's terrible. That's right. Terrible. Right. So if we treat this as an analogy. The Lord has sent Nephi and his brothers in to give Laban multiple chances. And then there's this critical mass, right? Where the Lord goes, okay, he had his chances. And this is the way it goes through this difficult thing.
0: And I think that's the importance of really always looking at the, the big picture. But
4: imagine, honestly, imagine if you were told to kill someone. I mean, Nephi. I just feel so mm-hmm. much for him when he's saying, "Like, he, I, I don't know that I could kill someone." Do you know? No. It's not in our character. Right. And so this also shows, I think, so much um, that Nephi is willing at all costs to do what the Lord has asked him. Because
0: we don't learn the the aftermath of this. We don't get the emotional side of what Nephi went through right. taking another. Yeah person's life right and so there could be a whole other story with that yeah you do get a
5: sense to share just one more verse that's that's pertinent to this that they're not a hundred percent (laughs) sure that that this was okay Okay. even after it happens so in chapter five verse nine sons came back safe sariah's relieved lehi's relieved they've got the records it's wonderful but it says it came to pass that they did rejoice exceedingly and did offer sacrifice and burnt offerings unto the Lord, and they gave thanks unto the God of Israel. And some scholars who look at this have said it's interesting they're talking about these burnt offerings. In the Israelite system of sacrifice, you've got like the the peace offerings, Mm -hmm. the thank offerings, and then you also have burnt offerings for sacrifice. Often with a peace offering, there most of it is being eaten, right? Like it's a, it's a barbecue, mm-hmm. right? It's an, and a lot of times it's even plants, right? We're gonna offer this, this grain, this fruit, and then take it back. And that shows that we're at peace with God. We're having a meal with him. If they're burning the whole offering, that's typically because you're worried you did something wrong, right? And you want to have that sin relieved. And so some readers have wondered, does Lehi go, okay, I, I understand you were in a difficult situation. I know Laban is not a righteous man. Jesus says he who lives by the sword dies by the sword and we don't know who else Laban's killed, right? Mm -hmm. If he was willing to do it to these brothers it's probably not the first time. Right. And still, right, still they wrestle with it. And And still I think they wonder, was there another way? Mm -hmm. Could I have asked more? And I think sometimes those feelings can be productive.
0: Wow. Yeah, I never I never looked at it like that. That's fascinating. Okay, so while we are in chapter five, are we okay to stay in chapter five? Because yeah, there's another yeah. aspect to this that's really fascinating uh, that gets brought up a lot. And the idea of uh Soraya murmuring, you had mentioned earlier about Nephi had to soften his heart, um, maybe you know, indicating that perhaps it was at once hardened. So, what are some things we get from this, you know, just knowing. I don't know. I just think it's fascinating to to hear people sometimes that we admire and, and do great things. Like, oh, good. They they were too, just as just as I do sometimes, right?
4: I mean, even like we talked about like us going to Brazil and that, even though I'm all in and my heart is, you know, I know it's what God wants me to do. It's a pain. hmm and I've, I've, you know, definitely spent time complaining. Have you ever had a garage sale? <laughs> After twenty years, it's a pain. And I've, I did, I've done my fair amount of murmuring. Just again, because I think I'm human. Yeah. And, and we need to vent. We need to express, and that. But I think it's very helpful to see how real they were.
3: Yeah, I, I love Saraya. It says that she was mourning over her sons and and she i believe we we mourn over people because there's a loss she probably thought that they, they weren't coming, coming back, back. Yeah. and and so it says that she complained against lehi as well accusing him of being a visionary man which ironically he is a, he was a visionary <laughs> man like uh, but but she also expressed uh, complete joy in their return and I think it's so helpful for us to recognize that they were liken the scriptures to us. It's hard to liken the scriptures to us if if you think your children are dead and you're just saying, "Well, yeah. no problem." Right. But I think a mom has the uh, the right to to murmur and to complain mm-hmm. uh, when she thinks her children may not be coming home. But she also hastens. To express joy and gratitude when they return.
0: You know, I think another side of this story that perhaps gets overlooked is how Lehi responds to her, and yeah. what a what a great husband, right? You know, he doesn't get upset with her in verse six. And after this manner of language, did my father Lehi comfort my my mother oh, Sarai? Yeah. Sarai concerning her. us.
5: And I think this is a choice, right? Because it could be confront. But it's not, it's comfort. Mm -hmm. And so if when there's difficulties, instead of seeing it as I'm being challenged, right? He sees it as, yeah, we are being challenged, right? But the Lord has a plan and I can comfort you because we're in it together, instead of making this a you versus me sort of situation. One thing I always try to do when I'm studying scriptures is ask myself, what else could they have done? Because I can only make meaning of what they did when I think gotcha. about the yeah. alternatives they had. They didn't know the end yet,
0: right? right? Okay, so I'm I'm fascinated with Nephi's response to all of this. And uh, if you go to First Nephi chapter two, and verse sixteen is finding. I was find it fascinating how Nephi, being exceedingly young, and this is harder for him. And I love how he mentions, "I did cry unto the Lord." He's being very prayerful. And he says, and behold, he did visit me and did soften my heart and that I did believe all the words which have been spoken by my father. Just this idea that even Nephi, somebody that we admire so much for for what he's accomplished, had to go through that process of of asking, finding out for himself, softening his heart. Um, Dean, you're going through a lot of changes and making some big decisions. Was there a point where... You felt that you had to soften your heart and really just trust the process.
3: You know, with this particular experience, no. I I, I felt very early on that that this is where the Lord wanted us mm-hmm. to go. But I've trust me, I've had uh, experiences in my life. One in particular that I can think of that involved employment from many many years ago. That was not a pleasant experience for me at all. And that's why I feel such a a special connection with Sariah is because I did a lot of murmuring myself. (laughs) Uh, But but I also know that just as Nephi who cried unto the Lord and following his crying unto the Lord is when his heart was softened. And when I have cried unto the Lord and I've prayed to him and I have placed that burden for which I'm murmuring, on the altar and 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 plead with my Father in heaven to take it from me, he takes it from mm-hmm. me and he softens um, my heart. And that's happened to me on some unremarkable circumstances and some very personally remarkable circumstances. And it's a pattern that works for everybody if we will plead with the Lord. Mm-hmm.
0: That's great.
4: I just am so much happier in my life, again, when I have a soft heart. Like. Mm-hmm it's just not fun being angry. It doesn't feel good. And it's so hard not to be when the natural man, when things happen in that, we just want to react so quickly. But I just find I'm so much happier in my life if I can have a soft heart or try and understand the other side or let things go. And, and I'm like, why can't I just, (laughs) <laughs> get that why can't i get it and just live it every day why do i have to keep learning that you know you and
0: nephi both yeah you know, <laughs> that's <right. laughs> yeah you know and i wonder as you look at um because there are those moments of you know just happiness so how do you get to that point where even when things are difficult like we see with lehi and his family that there is still that that joy that they experience that hope they continue forward they're not continually murmuring, complaining, but they're continuing to move forward.
3: One of my favorite sermons from President Hinckley was where he likens life to a train ride and how most of it is monotonous and boring, <laughs> uh, but every once in a while you'll pass these beautiful vistas and that, that is life.
4: I think, too, being content. Who is it? Paul, right? This says, I have learned to be content in no matter what situation. I truly believe if we can be content with what's going on right now and just be in the moment and love everything around us in this moment, we can find a lot of peace and contentment. In they, like when the boys come back now, right? They have joy yeah. and they rejoice.
5: Yeah, they're not waiting till they get to the promised land, right? right. Like it's good. Now. But there is that, got some good advice once, right? Which is, feelings are feelings. It's okay to have feelings. It's okay yeah. to have that murmuring impulse, but you can let them be a wave that washes over you. You don't have to surf along with yeah. it and just follow that feeling all the way back to shore. Yeah. I think that's part of the secret, right? Is to let yourself feel, let yourself struggle. Neef, I did,
0: right? but you don't have to live in that forever. And I love how in verse 20, where that you you mentioned tender mercies, he's talking about how bad things were, right? At the beginning of this verse, when the Jews heard these things, they were angry with him, talking about his father, even as the prophets of old, whom they had cast out and stoned and slain. And they also sought his life that they might take it away. But now this is the, I love this, but I'm gonna show you that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith. And I love that. He's setting this up of, this is the book that you're about to to to, to read. This record, I'm going to show you how good God is. There's going to be some very trying times. There's going to be some things that are difficult. And then you get to the very, very end. And it's almost like Moroni is backing up what Nephi said. If you go to the very last chapter So you go from the first chapter, Nephi sets this up and says, I'm gonna show you the tender mercies of the Lord, how good he is. And then you go to the very last chapter, Moroni chapter 10. And here you have Moroni wrapping up this record, exhorting us when we read these things, if it be wisdom in God that you should read them, that you you would remember, okay, you've just read this Mm -hmm. record, you've gone through hundreds of years of history, Remember how merciful the Lord hath been unto mm-hmm. the children of men. Remember all the good things. Nephi sets it up and says, I'm going to show you how good he is. Morona kind of finishes it off and says, Now don't forget it. Okay, James, if you were to say that there is one overarching message with these the beginning chapters of the Book of Mormon, what would you say it is? I think the
5: message I get out of the beginning chapters is that we're all in that Exodus journey, mm-hmm. needing deliverance and, and being able to follow God and, and get out of, of the world that's falling apart right. around us into the, the place he would have us mm-hmm. be.
0: Dean and Stephanie, how would you say the Book of Mormon has kept you grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ as you head down that covenant path
3: i love the book of mormon it it is the foundation for all i believe and how i try and live my life and and these chapters in particular are so meaningful to me because life doesn't always happen it rarely happens how we plan it how we how when we we start out in a marriage for example we think, well, I'm gonna do this with my education, I'm gonna do this with my job, our kids are all gonna be healthy, and, and, um, and we, we have this idea of the ideal, and we have to keep going back to the fount of all wisdom and inspiration time after time after time. And, and that's what I've learned, uh, again, in, in studying these chapters, and I'm so grateful to the whole Lehigh family for the lessons they've taught, because I see myself in so many of these scenarios. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I strive to be like Nephi and Lehi uh, and Sariah, but I'm probably more often than I would like to admit like Laman and Lemuel. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I struggle, life is a struggle, and I keep going back to the fount of, of all wisdom and truth. And, and that's my savior,
0: Jesus Christ. That's beautiful, thank you, Dean. Stephanie. Um,
4: I loved, I love um, Come Follow Me, the whole thing that we've, I've learned way more as we've studied, you know, with the Come Follow Me program. I I learned to love the Old Testament. I love the New Testament and um, Doctrine and Covenant, all of them. But it's the Book of Mormon that keeps us, I think, grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ, And as we know, so many struggle and everything now at this time, and that, but I don't know anyone who is in the Book of Mormon that will leave. Because the Book of Mormon will testify to you over and over that this is Christ's gospel and that it was an ancient record translated by a Latter-day prophet that brought the restoration back. And so the the Book of Mormon keeps me grounded.
0: Ah, it's beautiful. It's been so great getting to talk to you. Like I said, I, I've known you guys for a long time and you're so wonderful. So thanks for, for coming on the show today and, and sharing your testimonies and best of luck to you in, in your new adventures as you move forward. And James, thank you so much for walking us through and, and adding so much insight uh, to these chapters. And for those at home watching, thank you for joining us for this discussion from 1 Nephi chapters 1 through 5. Visit byutv.org slash come follow up for more study and teaching resources. And join us next week as we study 1 Nephi chapters 6 through 10 and discuss Lehi's vision and the principles of faith and revelation. Thank you for watching.